So very good to see everyone. Um, I wanted to start my sermon tonight with a little bit of a recap. So I know a few people were missing last week. So who, who wasn't here last week? Okay, this isn't a name and shame. I'm just asking. Okay, that's <laughs> all good. Okay, so I wanted to just share a little bit about what happened last week because Milani was here and um, it was an amazing, amazing time with her. And there were a few words or, or things shared um, about this thing of a sleeping giant or the church slumbering. Now, I think that word can be applied to the universal church, but I think in this context, it was being applied to us as the local church. And I, I, I think I took that quite seriously. I was like, okay, well, how do we process that? How do we process these words that have come through for us as a church? And I, I think most of us are quite comfortable with the prophetic, um, but there is a way for us to go about doing this. Scripture tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 20 to 21, it says, Do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast to what is good. Okay, so that is what Scripture tells us to do, and not to despise prophecies. Now, can I tell you something? There's a saying that says, familiarity breeds contempt. And sometimes in a charismatic church, we get so used to the prophetic that we just go, well, it's just another prophetic word. Think about what I've just said. It's just another prophetic word. Okay, we need to be so careful that we don't despise prophecy, but we test it and hold on to what is good. Okay, and Milani did a great job explaining to us how that works and how that happens. And, and thinking through what came through in that meeting, I was holding on to what I thought was good. And I thought those words about the sleeping giant, which Susan brought, and then Keith had actually messaged Craig earlier in the day with exactly the same word. So they were like, Keith and Jean were like, Whoa. <laughs> they were going wild after that meeting, or in the meeting, it was very cool. But I think it's something that the Lord is saying to us as a congregation. So I'm just catching you up. And then Milani also spoke about things like maturity in Christ, which we've been talking about. She called it growing up in Christ, right? Time for us as a people to start growing up. Discipleship and recapturing our zeal, things that we've been speaking about as a church for the last few months. And it really felt like God was putting his finger on those things. And then she shared this scripture, which was just like, Yo, I've never read it in this context before, but it's 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5. And it says, but understand this, in the last days, terrible times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, without love of good, traitorous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Turn away from such as these. Now, a lot of us have read this scripture and we go, yes, of course, the world is going to be like that in the last days. Until we realize that that scripture is written to the church. It's written to you and me as a warning not to, in the last days, give in to these many, many things that can snare us and entrap us. And then Rosie came forward and said, I feel like there's a time of repentance if there are things that have been holding you back. And many came forward 
and repented. And it was an incredible time of just repentance before God, going, this is something that's holding me back. This is something that's almost a cord over me that's keeping me sleeping. Now, I know many of you did repent, and I pray you hold on to that. Because these things are dangerous for us as a church. So that really is, in a nutshell, what happened last week. <laughs> I can't convey everything because it was, such an, it was a great meeting, right? If we all agree if we were here, it was a great meeting. So the fact that it was a great meeting, the Holy Spirit was moving and stuff was happening, and prophetic tongues were being given, and Julian was interpreting tongues for the first time I've ever seen in my whole life. Is that, no? Is that a common thing? First time. Okay, okay. So the question I was asking myself this week, which I think is quite logical, is where do we go from here? Like, what? Where? Like, that was, okay, stuff happened. But where do we as a church go from this place? And while I was in the meeting last week, I did feel the scripture that God had placed in my heart to preach this week. So I'm going to preach out of the scripture, and I, I want to explain something to you about expectation. Now, I've named my preach, this is very controversial, Violent Expectation. Okay, and you'll see now in the scripture why I've named it that. That's just a bit of clickbait. <laughs> okay, so Matthew eleven twelve says this, Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has risen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet even the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subject to violence, and the violent lay claim to it. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. Who's heard that passage before? Right? Quite a powerful passage, and it's quite strong language, right? The violent will take it. And I'll explain to you what that word means now. But an overview of that passage very quickly. John the Baptist is perhaps one of the most important figures in the Gospels, right? He comes in the beginning of the, gospel, the Gospels and he's, he's telling people to repent and be baptized. It's an incredible picture of, of what happens. And he, he comes in and Jesus, again, he talks about John's significance in this passage. He says there was no one greater than John the Baptist, right? He's going, anyway, I don't want to get too excited. But he's calling people to repentance and baptism. Now, while I was reading this, I'm going, why was John calling people to baptism? Because baptism wasn't really a Jewish thing. If you think about it, there wasn't, there's not much mention of baptism actually in the Old Testament. Some Jews had a, a bath in their house called a purity bath that you would wash yourself in. But John comes with repentance and baptism, and some believe that John was from a, a, a kind of a, I don't want to say a sect, it's a funny word, um, a group of Jews <laughs> who lived outside of the city called the Essenes, and they practiced baptism. Okay, so John comes and he's, he's doing this thing of repentance and baptism, and then, and then Jesus talks about Elijah. Now, the Jews would have understood exactly what Jesus was saying in this passage when he mentions Elijah, right? Because Elijah was going to come and, and, and bring in and usher in the Messiah. 
And Jews to this day, if you go to a Passover meal, the Jews will set a seat at the table for Elijah. They will put a cup there for him because they are waiting for him to come to announce the Messiah. Okay, and then Jesus says these words. He says, he is the Elijah who was to come, if you will accept it. Okay, and we know that some Jews weren't, and obviously some were, because they were being baptized and repenting in anticipation for the Messiah coming. Okay, so that's a little bit of background, but I, I really want to focus on this, this passage in verse 12. And I want to explain a little bit to you about it. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subject to violence, and the violence lay claim to it. So what does that mean, violence? So when John first appears on the scene, there's this frenzy of people around him, right? It's almost like you get this sense like there's this wild man who's come with camel hair and he's been eating honey and he comes out of the wilderness and he starts preaching this, this, this thing of the, the kingdom and repentance and baptism. And he's recognized as a prophet. In fact, they recognize something different about this man, going, this man is a prophet. And John is the last of the Old Testament prophets who come, well, in the New Testament, actually. And so they are pushing towards him. There's crowds of people gathering around him, wanting to get close to him. Now, they use the word violence, okay? So I don't think what it means is people were fighting each other to get close to John. But there was kind of this frenzied activity of trying to get as close to John as possible because they're seeing stuff, they're seeing him do stuff that is very new and different in some ways. The word describes the eager rush of the crowds of Galilee and Judea. Lots of people were gathering around John the Baptist going, what is going on? And it almost this word speaks of um, a city that's being attacked from all sides. So can you imagine you, John the Baptist, and there's just crowds of people around you trying to get closer to what's going on, to see what's happening. And why? Why were people so excited to get to John the Baptist? Because for 400 years, in between the Old and the New Testament, there was, God wasn't speaking. And then suddenly out of this man comes and there's life. There's something happening here. This is not the norm. The, the scribes and the Pharisees are just giving us law, law, law. And John the Baptist comes. And this is what he says. I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now, if you haven't, if you've been living in a religious system so long that's pretty dead at this point, if you see this, you're going, I want to be near what's happening. We know what crowds are like, but as soon as there's excitement, people are drawn to that, okay? We used to go, when I was younger, and this is a weird story, but we used to go to a lot of breakdancing competitions, and uh, we'd be in the foyer, and there was stuff happening there, and then like, in the foyer, guys would just start doing stuff, because it was just, it was a vibe. There was no music, they just started like doing head spins, and it was like... And then the crowds were around them, like cheering, like this is, this is awesome. It's that kind of excitement. And when Jesus comes, you see the same thing. You see the crowds are being drawn towards Jesus. They are, they're gathering around him. Luke 5, 1 says this. It says, now it happened that while the crowds were pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. Gennesaret. Luke 12, 1. In the meantime, 
when so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were trampling one another. It isn't a small crowd of like 12 disciples around Jesus going, this is cool, this guy's doing something. No, there were crowds trampling around him, trying to get to him. And you, know, and you understand why almost that Jesus used to retreat by himself and just be like, it wasn't a few people following. These people were going, there's something here, there's life here. Because what does Jesus do? He comes and he teaches with authority. People even say the scribes just teach us, and Jesus is teaching with authority. He's driving out demons. He's healing the sick. And so people are pursuing him. Now, the Pharisees did try deliverance. It's part of the Old Testament, what they did. But they weren't super successful in it. They used to think that demons would come out of your toe. And if there was blood on your toe after deliverance, then it was successful. <laughs> so you can imagine that's the process. And then Jesus comes and goes, out. And everyone's like, whoa, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. There's not long prayers and there's not a lot of hap stuff happening. Jesus is coming and he's speaking with power and authority. And that kind of thing draws people's attention. So the crowds are gathering around Jesus and they are expecting. They want to see something happen. And every time they come around him, there was a sense of expectation. What is going to happen next? And the meaning of that word expectation is a strong belief that something will happen. <laughs> it's like when you get around someone who's well known for something, there's an expectation that they will do that thing right? Whatever it is. A strong belief that something will happen. And so these crowds are gathering around and there's an air of expectation. Now think back to last week. There was an air of expectation for last week's meeting. We'd announced it for a while. We'd let you know that Milani was coming. So we'd we created some kind of expectation. Milani is a prophetic gift. She's coming to the church. And that, in a sense, is what the prophetic and the apostolic gifts do. If Andrew was coming here next Sunday, there would be an air of expectation that Andrew was coming and something might happen. Is that right? Is that fair? No, you all know. Just be another, another Sunday meeting, just be random, okay. No. That's right. Stop reading my notes, Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, last week there was an expectation, and I think that's, that's what happens when um, a prophetic gift comes, right? There's a, it raises expectations, and I think that's good. I do. I think it's wonderful. I, I'm not trying to take anything away from that. And, and we come into this meeting expecting stuff, and we all wear like our, like Lance does, our bright red jacket, hoping that the prophet will see us and give us a word from God. Or we hide at the back, hoping the prophet won't see us, and then they do see us. So, like, there's this whole science to the prophetic gift, right? Like, which one is it? I don't know. Do you hide away or do you jump up and down? I don't know. You hide. Okay, cool. <laughs> and so we came expectant that God would do something. Like, it's amazing when someone gets a prophetic word. It's incredible. You sit there going, like, how does, how does she know that? Like, the word she gave for that kid, Malachi. So he's a drummer. 
after Maloney goes, well, I, the, 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 the word talks about trumpets, but I feel for you drums. Like, she's never met, I haven't even met that kid. I'm like, who is this kid? <laughs> like, what is he doing here? Okay, and the parents are in the back going, like, ah, oh, this is insane. Like, what's, and Andre and Debbie get an amazing word as well. Like, there was an expectation for, for that kind of stuff to happen, right? And it did happen. And the question is, do we come every week with the same expectation? Or do we just come with high expectations when there's a certain grace gift in our midst and we're going, yeah, okay, something's going to happen this week? It's a rhetorical question, but you can answer me if you want to. <laughs> because I want you to consider something. As much as Milani is an incredible gift, the teaching that she gave on Saturday was amazing. Like, and the, the prophetic words that she gave to individuals were amazing. But consider this. Most of the impactful words for our congregation came from our congregation. Maloney comes with a gift, and she has an incredible gift. But she has the same Holy Spirit inside of us that all of us do. And we all have gifts. Second Corinthians 3, 17 and 18 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Or Matthew 18 says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am with them. You see, each one of us has the ability to hear from God and to change the course of a meeting. We might not have the same prophetic gift as Maloney, but we're not going to have Maloney with us every week. But we will have the Holy Spirit inside each one of us. And we all have gifts that we can and should bring with expectation that God will use us. Not just use the one gift, but all of us. And it's amazing that when Maloney comes, there's a heightened expectation. And I love that. I think it's awesome. But shouldn't we come to every meeting expecting not the gift, but God? What is God going to do tonight? I came tonight going, what is God going to do in this meeting? And Sue got healed. Can, can we just take a second to think through that? Sue got healed from her neck, and she can now lift her arms, whereas before she couldn't. I think we just, like, oh, cool, man, Sue got healed. Cool. Hey. <laughs> Go see. <laughs> Or Susan gets a word of knowledge for someone who has exactly the same pain in her leg. Now, if that isn't supernatural, then I don't know what is. And if that doesn't raise your expectations for next week, then I don't know what will. Does this make sense? Okay. Thank you. Each one of us has the ability to hear from God and alter the course of a meeting. 1 Corinthians 12 says this, Now to each the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To other faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between Spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another the interpretation of of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, 
and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Now, who here knows what their spiritual gift is? Sure. There's hands going up randomly now. I'm like, I can't keep count. Okay. Okay, is it, okay, maybe I should ask this. Who doesn't know who their spiritual gift, what their spiritual gift is? Do you know, Lance? You're in the middle. You're not going either way. Okay, 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 good, it's cool, yeah, it's great. Again, I'm not trying to name or shame you. I want you guys to know what your gifts are so you can use them in the edification and upbuilding of the church. So the question then is, are we coming expectant, even if I'm preaching? Or even if it's just like, ah, it's just another week. Rosie's on worship. She was pretty average last week, you know. Ah, you know, Bill's preach kind of bombed. Ah, am I going expectant? Am I expecting them to do something to raise my faith or expectation? Or am I relying on God, going, God, how are you going to use me in this meeting? And are my expectations where you want them to be? Because if you've got any gift, you're welcome to use them in this congregation. Are we ready to use our gifts every week? And I think the words that were released last week of the sleeping giant and the passivity were, were relevant. I think sometimes we can slip into a state of passivity and just go, ah, you know, it's just church, four till six on a Sunday. It's just calm. I heard amazing stories from calm this week of people being prayed for and, and sensing the Holy Spirit. Was it awesome? Do you go to community going, ah, oh, we're just going to see another video about discipleship and I'm going to learn some stuff and then like we're going to have a cool conversation. Or are you going, God, what are you trying to say to me tonight about the meeting? What can I bring? What can I share in this meeting? Do you have a word for anyone? When, when last did you go to community being prayed up going, God, how are you going to use me tonight? I must be honest, I, I seldom go to community prayed up, but I'm speaking to myself. And um, perhaps some of us have felt that we've seen it all before, right? We've done it all before. We've been in church for 100 years. It's all been done. Thanks, Dylan. I've heard this preach 50 times before. Expectation, yeah, okay, cool. Pressing into Jesus. <laughs> we can get a little bit pessimistic, right? And that can feed into our passivity of like, I've done this all before. Well, I guarantee you that the word that you're going to bring next week, you haven't done before. Or the person that you're praying for for healing, I can almost guarantee you've never prayed for that person. So what is it that you've all done before? Because every week presents new opportunities to do things in his kingdom. Church should never be boring. Man, imagine bringing someone to church and they're like, yeah, that was cool. That was a bit boring. It's like, uh, seriously? That's why we make a big deal about Sue getting healed. 
It doesn't happen, guys. I'm sorry. I'm still blown away by it. I'm like, people go to the doctor and get operations, and for years they go through pain, and Jesus comes and goes, okay, done, healed. Okay, who's next? Don't despise prophecy, but don't despise healing either. Sorry, I'm, I'm all over the place right now, so I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> I think the call for us, specifically on those words um, that came last week, is to come into these meetings with high expectations of God moving. And I think He wants us to forcibly seize or by violence take hold of what is there for us. And that is not a passive, like, nothing gets done being passive. Ask me. The pool doesn't get cleaned when I'm passive. <laughs> it's the biggest thing in our marriage right now. But today I cleaned it because I was violent with the pool. <laughs> no, my, my pool doesn't have a creepy anyway. But to forcibly see, that's the language of scripture of what God, yeah, okay, shush, stop, almost done, of what God has for us. And please, don't get me wrong. This is not hype. There's nothing worse than coming into a meeting where they're trying to hype you up and go, yeah, it's hype. Jesus is about hype. No, it's not hype. It's healthy expectation. Because healthy expectation produces an eagerness to be with Jesus. You can't come to a meeting where someone is healed and go, I'm not going to come next week. It is boring. Sorry, Sue, I mean, <laughs> you were the one who got healed, right? I'm just going to use you. Expectation produces eagerness to be closer to Christ. And that could happen in a multitude of different ways every week. There's never a prescribed way of doing it. If we tried to recreate what happened last week, I think we'd fail miserably. But it could come through the word. It could come through worship or the prophetic. It could come, your breakthrough or, or could come through repentance or deliverance. Ooh, said the D word in church. We're going to be preaching a little bit about deliverance soon. Because I think it's an important topic. When last did you hear a good preach about deliverance? Never. Oh, my hat. Okay, cool. <laughs> Maybe I should have done that one tonight. <laughs> I better deliver it, guys. The question then is, can we come expecting God to do bigger things than our low expectations? And this is not just for us that we come and have a good time in God and have a Holy Spirit party and then we leave. But I think actually it's more for the unbelievers, actually. It's great that God uses us and moves through us, but, but it's even better when unbelieving people come and see this stuff and go like, what the heck is going on? I can't explain this. It says in John 6, when people saw this miracle that Jesus did, they said, he must truly be the prophet who is coming into the world. It's not the only way that people experience God, but there's something of the supernatural that, that people are like, what is going on? You can't explain it. And that's a good thing. I hope I never get to the place where I can explain everything about God. Is that okay to say, Mike? There's mystery there, right? Mystery is a good thing with God. Okay. Let me finish, because my time has told me I must. 
I think, again, I'll just reiterate, I think those words last week of sleepiness and passivity were a reminder to us that we need to be a violent people who are pressing towards God daily, individually, and corporately. We should take note of the response of the believing people in Jesus' day and share their passion. That pressing in, almost that that trampling, trying to get closer to him or closer as possible to what was happening. Knowing Christ, knowing Christ has come, should create earnestness in us and a striving to be closer to him. There's no room for apathy or ambivalence in the followers of Jesus Christ. 